Hello, everyone. This is Rich Duncan, and tonight I'm joined by my partner in crime, Shane Keen. And tonight we're talking with author Laurel Hightower, and we're going to be talking about her uh, writing and Whispers in the Dark. So, Laurel, uh, just for people who may not be familiar with you or your work, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am a I'm a paralegal in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I've been writing for a while, but I just got my first book published uh, in 2018, I guess December of last year by Journalstone. Um, so I'm kind of very, very new to the to the scene, but um, I'm really glad to be here. I've been I've been reading some of the most fantastic books just based on everybody's recommendations. So that's, uh, that's excellent. And you re- and you wrote a pretty fantastic book, too, I might Thank say. You. Thank you. Um, and, you know, the thing I was telling Rich, too, is it's never a risk to pick up a journal stone book. It's a good publisher. Um, they have a good eye for good fiction. So that's always a plus in your favor right out the gate. Uh, it says journal stone or trepidatio. I'm on it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's awesome. Well, I thought they had done some uh, some of the audiobooks for Stephen Graham Jones, too. So that's and I know they have Gwendolyn Kissed and um Sarah Red and I guess Nicholas Day doesn't he publish some of his stuff with Journalstone as well? Um, I think he works with them and he published uh, at the end of the day I burst into flames I think was from Bizarro Pulp, which is Journalstone. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've, I'm really new to all this, to all the indie presses and everything, so it's been it's been an education, but it's also, I mean. I, I feel stupid saying this, but I had no idea how much awesome horror was out there. I've, you know, just been collecting books like crazy ever since. Um, uh, it's an eye opener, isn't it? When you start kind of looking around, getting hooked up on social media and all of a sudden you're like, where have I been? I know. <laughs> yeah. I was that, like, I there were like five guys in horror and that was it. You know, where, yeah. I didn't know where everyone else was. <laughs> But that was me and I assume Rich about five or six years ago now. We both started this right around the same time. And I thought I knew everything, you know, because I'm 54 years old. What have I got to learn? And it turned out I had way more to learn than I thought I did. Yeah, I was definitely in the same boat. Uh, when I started the blog, it was kind of just something to do for fun. And I pretty much only knew, you know, your really big names like Clive Barker and Stephen King. And when I started, you know, getting review requests and seeing all that was out there, it was, it was amazing. It was overwhelming, honestly. Yeah. I mean, in such a good way though, I, I sort of, you know, quit, hadn't read very much horror in a while. Um, And then, you know, checking out all these review sites and then reading the stuff that was being recommended. I'm, I feel like Scrooge McDuck. I've got like a pool full of brand new horror books and I'm just, I'm completely thrilled backstroking through that. I mean, this has been awesome. It's been exciting as a reader and just to know that there's this much out here. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm sure Shane can also say this, that he feels the same way, even though, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We're always finding new people. And I was curious because I know you said, you know, you weren't sure about, you know, all the authors that were out there. Is horror something that you always grew up reading or are you relatively oh, new to horror? No, I um, I we were a big reading household. And so we were at the library every week. And all I would do is I would just go to the shelves and, and pull off all the books that had a little ghost on the spine. 
because I was like, whatever, you know, horror, scary story, that's me. And so I would just, you know, take a big stack home with me. And then I just kind of always read that. Um, and I, I feel like in the last few years, I, I read a lot of mysteries, I guess, because I just, you know, sometimes you read so many bad books that you're like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to try this other genre. And so I hadn't actually read a whole lot of horror in a little while. And so to just, you know, to find all these other books, I just, I read, I keep, you know, raving about it and Caitlin Starling's going to think I'm stalking her, but I just love the luminous dead so much. I was just so, uh, you know, so pulled into it and it's, and it's a pretty lengthy book. And I was just, you know, just totally compelled the entire time. And, um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's been really, really good to get back into. I've missed it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had the same thing. I was real into reading horror, even from a young age. And then I kind of got out of it and it was kind of the same experience. But uh, yeah, same with The Luminous Dead. I really enjoyed that book too. Uh, I think I reviewed it like a month or two ago, maybe. But yeah, I kind of had the same experience as you. I don't know if Shane... um did but and that's cool that you mentioned about you know doing the different genre things because i'm sure not many people notice because we do mostly horror but we kind of go towards like horror and darker like crime fiction and stuff like that yeah my experience was hugely different i mean not hugely different it was similar but um it's it's an age thing because, like, I I lived through the 70s and 80s, and I read all that classic horror as it was being published, you know. And um, then in the 90s, things got pretty wishy-washy, but I knew nothing of indies back then. So I went the same route as you, Laurel, but literally for almost a decade where I read um, mystery and noir and adventure stories and anything but horror. So, so what got you back into it then? Um, I started writing reviews. I was talking to Tony Rivera at Gray Matter Press one time, and um, he had just released their first anthology. And I was talking to him about it, and he was talking about reviewers and um, how there seemed to be, at that point in time, a, a, a shortage of people doing quality book reviews, um, not to be a snob about it. But and I started I started doing book reviews and the, and then the authors kind of come out of the woodwork at you a little bit and that's not yeah, a bad thing, but it's like oh you're a reviewer and all of a sudden I have this whole like you say backstroking through all this material that I never <laughs> knew existed you know that was a perfect image. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah you know, I mean I don't you know I, sure a pool full of money would be awesome but but definitely the books is. Yeah, because I mean, just not even not even knowing that all this was out here has just been super cool. And uh, Laura, I know you said you were writing for a while and this was your first book. I was just curious how you got your start. Like, when did you first seriously start writing and did you start with like shorter works, like short stories? Or did you jump right into, you know, planning out a novel? I jumped right into a novel. I, um, this is, this is my first published work. My first novel that I wrote is just in the scrap heap. And I, I hope to God that when I die, no one digs it up and, you know, publishes it because it's, it's God awful. It was, you know, training wheels kind of a thing. Um, so I wrote that and then just kind of scrapped it when I realized it was going totally off the rails. And then I started whispers in the dark. Um, 
while I was still, it took me uh, nine years to get my bachelor's degree because I worked full time. And, you know, I would stop for a year and go do something else fun and come back to it. So while I was really in the home stretch of finishing up my degree, I just, I didn't have a lot of time. Um, but I just kind of had words in my head, you know, and, and I felt like it was important for me to take some time to do some writing, uh, that was not legal based as fun as that is. Um, and just kind of get into something that was really just for me. Is that a little bit of sarcasm there in that as fun as that is thing? <laughs> just a skosh, just a skosh. <laughs> I hear I, a little I, bit of a, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I, I actually just, I I do really love my job and I, I'm a giant legal nerd. But yeah, by the end of school, I was like, I can't write another appellate brief. I don't even like those words anymore. This is, you know, none of this is fun. So it was, uh, it was a relief to get into fiction. <laughs> Rep- repetition can kind of breed apathy sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting you said that because I'm sure when you were going through school, like I went to journalism school and it was just like nonstop writing. And I'm sure getting your bachelor's, it was the same for you. It must have been a relief to, even though you did all of that writing and you probably were, you know, tired of writing, like you said. It's an escape sometimes to, you know, sit down and write something different, whether it be fiction or anything like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so you said you had your so was it you had that first novel that you said was basically in the scrap heap and then it was Whispers in the Dark. So those were like the first two things that you wanted to sit down and write or was there even like other stuff before that? I am pretty certain that I wrote a hundred some odd page, no- page novel in the eighth grade. Um, but other than that, I, I don't think I really did a whole lot. Um, short stories is something that I feel like is, uh, is a whole different skill set and one that I don't really have. So I, I never, you know, I never sat down and wrote what I would consider to be a short story. So it, it does seem like there was kind of a huge stretch where, I don't think that I did a whole lot of it. I don't know if um if you guys had seen on any of my stuff or anything. My mom's actually a writer. Um, oh wow! And yeah, so so I I grew up with this, which is was super cool in some ways because you know you can actually see someone living that dream, you know. But it's also like my kindergarten papers were just ripped to shreds from an editing standpoint. Um, you know, I mean we we just were held to pretty high standards. Um. And I mean, you know, you, you guys know a lot of writers, you, you write, you know, that the life can be kind of, uh, uh, you know, up and down, um, that that's my mom keeps saying, it's like having homework for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, there's a lot of downs yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A lot of them. So I, I kind of in seeing that, like, I don't consider myself like a typical creative type because I'm almost more of an accountant the way I I like, you know, deadlines. I like things set this way. I like to know what's going on. And so I think when I was younger, I saw all that, you know, ambiguity and I was like, absolutely not. No, no, can't do it. No. And, uh, but this, you know, having it be something that I do in my spare time has been, it's kind of like, Oh yeah. High tower. You don't actually have to give up everything and and do this. It might be smart actually not to (laughs) at this point. So Rich, Rich, that reminds me of something that I think we both wanted to talk to you about. Rich mentioned the other day how fucking incredible it was that you were capable of writing a novel, especially a novel of decent length. Uh, 
Um, well, also raising a child at one of the most difficult times in in their lives to be raising a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say that the benefit of, of that is that I had written it quite some time before. Um, so I think by the, when my agent got it, uh, and was shopping it, I don't, I don't think that I was even pregnant yet. And so it was oh. kind of one of those things where, um, it was, you know, it was really great. 2018 was the absolute most batshit year of my life. Um, I had my son in January, which was fantastic, but you know, it's then your life as you know, it is completely over. And, uh, then I got contacted, I guess, in, I don't know, April, May, something like that. Oh, somebody finally bought your book. Here's a bunch of revisions you need to do immediately. And I'm like, you, I was sitting here like a beached whale for a year and I had all the time on my hands and you guys suddenly want something right now. <laughs> So it's it's all about time management at that point. <laughs> Blindside. Yeah, because like you said, it was mainly written, but even still, I'm sure doing the rewrites and stuff like that and working on the edits, that probably was pretty intensive. Yes. Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of working late at night and that kind of thing. And and also then since then, um I've got a few other novels that are one that's complete and is with my agents, um, another that's with my first beta reader and a couple more in various stages of writing. So it's it's one of those things that like I really especially after, you know, you kind of get your head clear after the first few months of, you know, learning how to not kill an infant. Um, I realized like, hey, this is not something I want to lose. I, I want to have something that's for me uh, that I keep doing. That's kind of my, you know, my happy place to go to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and two, going into that, um, I know you said it was done for a while. I was just curious, you know, what was the process like uh, finding an agent? And also, you know, how did you end up at Journalstone? Um, it was, I, I, Journalstone actually was, that we had submitted to a, to a whole bunch of presses, a whole bunch of presses. And, and again, this is another thing that's just made me very excited to find this whole horror community is because when, when you hear back all these rejections from big houses, um, it almost makes you think like horror is dead, you know, because the majority of what I heard was, Oh, I know I can't sell the supernatural. You know, that's, I can't, I can't sell the supernatural. And, um, you know, everyone's like, Hey, you know, you need to, you need to write a thriller. Uh, with no ghosts. And I'm just like, but, but ghosts are the fun part. I don't even know if I know how to write something without ghosts. And um, so I, I had kind of just given up on it. I'd figured that uh, we weren't going to find anything for that for that book. Um, and then uh, Journal Stone took a look and, and uh, Chris Payne, you know, wrote back and he was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll take this. This is great. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was really one of those things I had totally given up. So it was very exciting to hear from him. Um, and I went hopping around the office and, and that's the day that everyone at my firm realized that, oh, Laurel actually writes horror fiction. And, um, so that's been kind of fun, too, because they they keep telling me I'm writing zombie porn. And I think that's what they tell their clients. And so, you know, that's been fun. But I feel, feel really sorry for anybody who might have bought it thinking they were getting zombie porn and there's just not any. I'm really sad. About that. It just doesn't live up to the office gossip at all. <laughs> it doesn't. It's kind of one of those weird, like worlds colliding kind of things, because uh, you know you do something like that. I mean, not like in secret, but you just you have these kind of separate lives, and yeah, sometimes they kind of show up together. 
Now, Chris Payne, he's a, was Chris Payne your direct contact the whole time you were writing, or did that go to a um, Crepidacio editor? Or? Uh, Jess Landry uh, was, she was his assistant um, publisher at the time, and so she was the one I, I did most of my day-to-day stuff when she has since moved on, I think mostly to concentrate on writing, which is really great for her and everyone else because she's a, she's a really excellent writer, um, so I'm glad she's she's been able to concentrate some more on that. And then my editor that I dealt with there was Scarlet Algae. I may be pronouncing that. I'm from Kentucky, so I'm probably going to screw up the majority of name pronunciations that I come across. So Every name I pronounce will be fucked up, most likely. <laughs> yeah, so. I just, just like to head that off. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was, uh, it's funny you say that, because that's one of our big fears like luckily most of our guests their names are easy to pronounce but that's like one of my fears doing this is that i'm just gonna have a guest and just completely mess up their name (laughs) but uh two i know in the beginning of your book whispers in the dark you uh mentioned that you traveled to memphis and you kind of use that as research and i was curious you know what was that process like and did you pick Memphis specifically for that or was it just kind of coincidence and how did that like help you in writing because I know you don't always get that opportunity but I would imagine it helps a lot being able to be in that place and take it all in it does yeah it it does and it's I mean it's a it's a fun trip it's a it's a great place to visit I don't know if you guys have been down there um I'm uh I'm in Kentucky it's like a six-hour drive so it wasn't too bad for me um, but I, I actually think I, I think I chose Memphis because, um, a guy that I knew, uh, who, who doesn't want to be named by name, but he was a law enforcement professional down there and I knew him, uh, elsewhere. And, you know, I kind of followed his exploits down there while I was kind of cogitating on this book. And it's not, uh, it's not based on him, but I learned a lot of what I, found out about SWAT and about, um, you know, police procedure and stuff like that from him. And so we kind of, a friend of mine and I went down to visit him down there and then just kind of check out Memphis because I'd already figured I was going to set it down there. So it probably ends up being somewhat, you know, on him that it's, that it's based in Memphis. But yeah, I really wanted to go get a, I, I have terrible spatial analysis and I am very geographically challenged. So even being down there you know, and really kind of trying to take notes and take pictures. I know I screwed it up. I know I did. I think it's, I think it's hard to write an existing city. Artistic license. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Oh, good. Two, two words. And I'm, I'm fine across the board. Artistic license. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's the out for every location you ever mess up when you write about it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting that you led right into the other thing I wanted to mention was, I like that it was had a lot of that technical police stuff, and I felt that that came through a lot, like really well in your writing. Because as I mentioned, that's one of the things that we really like at Enkeist is you know everyone kind of sees us as mainly horror, but it's actually multi-genre with like crime and noir. So I like that you had that and that it came through so well, and it meshed really well, I think, with you know, the heavy supernatural and horror elements. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, um, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to run absolutely everything by him, but God love him. He was so nice. He had such a weird schedule and sometimes he'd get like a message from me, you know, at 
whatever time, like, okay, what would deputies actually call each other? And he's like, what are you, you're going to have to give me some context on that. And it's just like, you know, I'd panic in the middle of the night thinking about what have I screwed up? And, you know, he, he was very kind and being very, uh, answered every question I had and was very good about it. So anything that's accurate is on him. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was really well done. And it, and, and, and it meshed really naturally. It, you know, it didn't stand out from the rest of the narrative. It just was a natural part of the narrative. Well, that's awesome to hear. Thank you. Um, the, no, the, the, uh, the, the noir stuff on there. I saw you had, I, Post recently something about Megan Abbott, or had you had something on there about her? I think I I said something about her yesterday on Twitter when I was doing so. I always do these these posts to pimp authors on Fridays and Saturdays, and uh, I think I tweeted something out about her. But yeah, I think I also mentioned her in one of our Sunday slices. Okay, yeah, that may be it. Yeah, I I love Megan Abbott. I think she does she does excellent. Uh, Noir, she's she's very good. Her and uh, I'm sorry, her and um, Carol and Katniss both are like my heroes when it comes to um, thrillers. More thriller, more sorry, I clicked my mic off. More thriller sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, Carolyn Katniss. Yeah, she wrote um, You and Hidden Bodies and uh, Providence, I think, are her three novels, and they're excellent. Awesome. And I, I, I could that. be – sorry, that's – God, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, I, I probably said her name wrong, too, but it's, uh, it's spelled like it sounds. This is the joy of Google, though. They'll give me suggestions even if I spell it wrong or say it wrong, so – they do. They, they did you really mean this? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Laurel, uh Rose, she was such a great character. You know, she's such a badass and I was just curious if you had any inspiration for creating her cuz she's she's a total badass, but you see all this she's thrown through such a gauntlet whether it be real life adversity or you know the supernatural stuff that pops up later i was just curious what your inspiration was for that character um but i'm i'm so glad she's uh you know she's resonated so well because i i just wanted you know i wanted to create somebody who was who was strong you know and knew what she was doing but who was also human um you know, and kind of had a family. I'm not sure if I had to, I mean, I know in part, this sounds corny, but in part, uh, she's probably inspired some by my mother. Um, you know, she definitely does not wield a SWAT rifle. Thank God for all of us. None of us would have made it out of adolescence. I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> she's, you know, she was somebody who was, was very strong and, and raised, um, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was about 11 and she was a single mom raising three teenagers on a, on a writer's salary. So, um, in some ways, I'm sure there was some of that in there. And I actually didn't even realize it at the time before I even wrote it. And, and she never mentioned it. But uh, her very earliest books that were published, uh, one of her main characters was named Rose. So I, I just sort of I, and I've read all her books and I just sort of unthinkingly, I guess, kind of jacked her name off that. But, you know, it's uh, I guess multiple people can be named Rose. But she was more I guess she was more just, um, you know, just somebody 
you know, I would want to be, I guess. Hopefully I would never have to be. Her, her life sounds really hard, but, but, um, yeah, she's, that's the only thing I can think of probably. That's, um, interesting. Like you say, talking about her life being really hard and talking about the, um, childhood thing. Um, you brought a lot of, uh, family dynamic into this, I think. I think it really, really humanizes the whole story. Um, like early on, I think you said a line that really resonated with me. Um, the best thing about childhood is that it's over. <laughs> and I was like, hey, fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you go on to you go on to draw those family dynamics. Rose Rose ha- obviously had the most dysfunctional family that ever existed. Yeah, you it's, know. Pretty, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad. But you also pull in some good family dynamics in there too, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of woven through the whole story, the good and the bad of families, you know. Well, that's that's awesome to hear. I mean, I'm glad that kind of yeah. comes through. And that's, and that's because that's, I mean, that's a good thing is is just sort of like creating your family, you know, from from the people that you have around you. But it but it is intentional that that uh, thread that runs through it. I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, I mean, part of it is that I'm I'm a stepmother. Also, I was a stepmother for like a decade before I had had uh, my biological son, Sebastian. And it's just one of those things like, you know, it's it's an odd dynamic, an odd setup altogether, but it's something that has worked well. And there's you know, there's so much. Um, so that kind of, you know, it it gave me the experience of, hey, somebody doesn't have to be your blood child or your blood relative to, to love them, you know, like your child and, and to feel that family connection with them and, you know, to just kind of cobble together. There's room for everybody at the table. Who's, who's worth having at the table. So, and that's going to, that really, um, will probably resonate with a lot of people because most of us anymore come from somewhat dysfunctional families and broken homes, you know, um, it seems like everybody I talk to anymore anyway. And I, I've, it really resonated with me because I have stepchildren that have been my children for decades now, you know, and, awesome. and yeah, I love them as much as I love my children. They are my children, you know, and, uh, so I really like that dynamic, the way you pulled in also Sam's family, you know, and some other stuff that family related that I won't mention because it'll spoil the fuck out of your story, but, <laughs> um, that was it was really it really hit home with me and i think it will hit home with a lot of readers yeah yeah it definitely does because i come from the other side of that like where my parents were divorced and seeing how you handled all that stuff it was definitely relatable and i thought that was a very good part of the book because you don't really see too much of that and most of the novels I've read anyway, I haven't really seen too much of that, you know, where there's different family dynamics. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that's something that, that, uh, that resonated with you guys. It's character is, is what I, I tend to create characters and then, you know, do terrible things to them in stories. So mine, mine tends to focus on the characters first. So. And then you start acting like you hate him by putting him through all this horrid <laughs> shit. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. 
<laughs> I just totally interrupted myself and lost my train of thought of where I was going to go with that next. <laughs> It'll come back to you. Oh, it was that. In, in addition to that, you also, um, you use the senses a lot, the five senses. Um, and I think it kind of really, really places people in the setting. Um, you know what I mean? I like, I mean, I walked away several times craving things that I didn't know I even ever would want, <laughs> you know? It's like uh, even today I'm sitting here with this chocolate syrup and this habanero hot sauce and wondering how they would blend. <laughs> I don't know, but let us know. That could be fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so you talked about Rose being kind of loosely possibly based on your mom. Um, how much of yourself goes into your characters, do you think, if at all? I mean, obviously you bleed into them. I understand that, but. Yeah. And that's such a, I, I work with, with such great people. And and one of my attorneys, he's an intellectual property and, and, you know, he'll just ask the question. He's like, so is this based on you? Are you her? Because she's short and you're short. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but it's, you know, there, I feel like, I feel like I'm not, she's not me, but I have to be part her so that I can so that I can be genuine in expressing what she's thinking, you know, so that I can make her believable. So it's probably safe to say she is part of certainly who I was at the time. Um, you know, and, and again, maybe, maybe she's part of what I would hope would be a better self. I am nowhere near that badass. I'm, uh, you know, I can do some Jillian Michaels DVDs, but that's about the extent of my physical capabilities. And, um, (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> probably not super brave. So as you know, as, as I realized when you guys put up the, the, the bloody bestiary thing, I think the first one you all had was like about under the ocean. I'm like, yeah, no, I really hope my kid is like, no, nah, right. Yeah. I'd jump in if it was my kid, but still, I really hope he ever doesn't put me in that position. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And the thing, that's the horrible thing though, is that as a parent, you may not be brave, but you're going to jump in and risk your ass if it involves your child. Yeah, you kind of have to. It's in the contract. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, so... Oh, go ahead, Shane. Nope, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Um. so throughout this book, it starts off, you realize that Rose, you know, has this interaction with the supernatural, and she mentions this, I guess you would call it entity, possibly, uh, the whispers and I was just curious you know how you got the idea for that because I know Shane and I were talking about this and it was there were some scenes in there that were definitely terrifying I'm so glad <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that I feel like is um I feel like it's harder to pull off actually scaring someone in a book you know than it is in a movie and um I remember when I when I read uh, Sean Plummer's review in, in Sci-Fi and Scary, I was so excited to read it. But she's like, there was some definite gore. And I'm like, was there? I don't remember any gore. And then I went back. I'm like, oh, no, this was really gory. Gross, Hightower. That's <laughs> just inflicting that on people. But my husband tells me I'm not a judge of what is gory or spicy. And I have to agree with him. Um, yeah, I'm the same way with spice. 
<laughs> I have I, I feel terrible because I fed my son something that I, I was like, no, there's no spice in it. And, you know, he starts crying and my husband's trying to give him milk. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible mother. I tasted no spice in that at all. <laughs> His poor little mouth is on fire. <laughs> I'm the same way with spicy stuff. I, I eat so much spicy stuff and so hot that it's like I'm terrified every time I cook for my wife. Because so many times I've gone, no, this isn't spicy at all, and, you know, go to feed her, and her face catches on fire, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same over here, too. Like, my daughter, the one day I was eating these, uh, like, jalapeno Cheetos, and she just reached in the bag quicker than I could even process, popped one in her mouth. Luckily, she enjoyed it, so... Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa. And then she's like, can I have another one? I'm like, yeah, maybe we should just hold off on that. Let's see how that one sits. <laughs> yeah. Making sure this is not a delayed reaction sort of a thing. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as like the whispers go to, and this was, this was interesting to me too, when you guys talked to Hunter Shea, um, I, I, I really didn't know when I started doing this, you know, and when I started uh, interacting with people in this community. I'm like, I wonder how many people actually believe in ghosts, you know, like whether do we, do we write it and it's, you know, it's all pure fiction or because I, I totally do. And, um, you know, definitely never experienced anything to the level of the whispers, but it, it kind of, it got me thinking of it. Um, when, you know, I'd be places and I'd hear whispers where there shouldn't be. And it seemed to be like a really sort of a running super creepy thing. Um, and that that just sort of made me feel like it should be like a central element. And I kind of created it around that. So I was I was interested. I'd, I think I'd seen on some of the stuff from Hunter Shea before that he'd had that uh, little little ghost boy that had lived in his house. Um, so I was just kind of interested to hear. And I think you guys were kind of chiming in on some stuff. So I, I, I was interested to hear that, that, that you know, um, I wasn't the only one to kind of believe in my own fiction. So, yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to it's hard not to believe in it, you know, especially if you've just had experiences that there's no other way you can really explain it. Yeah, and it's interesting you said that because I think it's kind of all across the board. I know there are some authors that they don't really believe in that type of stuff and you know, their biggest fears are, you know, more real world type stuff but i think a lot of them are interested in that stuff especially hunter i mean he's got all kinds of stories that he's mentioned and uh i think uh we had a series for a while that we wanted to bring back called signals from the abyss where we invited authors to write about their real life you know either ghosts or weird stuff or whatever i did one i think shane did one is that is that material still out there? Is that on your old website? Yeah, yeah. If you search it, I think we did three of them, and Shane might have to help me with some of the guests. But uh, Taff did one. I did one. I'm I blanking think, on the others. Um, I think that was it. I think I flaked on mine. No, we had we had one other one, but the name escapes me. But yeah, it's still on there, and we were gonna bring it back because it's interesting, like you said, to see how like how writers like if they believe in that stuff or you know and just to have 
a place to share that stuff because as fans of horror like sometimes there's a lot of overlap there where even if you don't believe you're like really interested in reading about that type of stuff yeah that's the that's the other thing i've heard is you know from people of course, I'm, I hang out with Halloween and horror freaks, so, you know, we're, we're always going to be up on that. But it's, you know, if you ask the question, have you seen one? If, if I don't hear yes, then I hear no, but I want to. And I think that's such an interesting kind of answer to that, too. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's one thing that I kind of liked about this book is there's definitely a familiarity there with, you know, like, kind like ghosts and stuff but going back to the whispers you know it's kind of it's made clear later but i don't want to spoil it but you're not really quite sure what they are because they're a little bit different and i thought it was interesting how you incorporated those elements it definitely was familiar but it had its own thing that's awesome to hear that's good yeah you kind of i kind of oh sorry god damn (laughs) <laughs> I was just having such a great conversation. Keep coming to the Go ahead, Jane. Oh, sorry. I was guys. It's like I feel like an ass because every time you open your mouth, I start to talk to you. <laughs> it's like she's going. This, did this guy invite me over here to talk to me or to talk to himself? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I was going to say. I'm hanging up now. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, Fuck, you know, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I was just going to interject that it kind of, in a way, you kind of, um, in some of your scenes, like you talked about the gore and then talking about the ghosts and stuff. For me, you really invoked the the sensation I had when I first read the work of... um, Clive Barker as as far as how he handles that stuff you know because you you can you can describe some scary shit and some really gross shit very eloquently <laughs> that's awesome that's really good to hear that's uh that's an excellent compliment to be grouped with Clive Barker but I mean it's not like you're like channeling his voice but you know what I'm saying it's just that oh, yeah. oh. same kind of almost poetic description of um, slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I really like that. I'm going to find a way to use that. The poetic description of slaughter. That's fantastic. <laughs> Tagline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shane comes up with some really good ones. Like, sometimes he'll say stuff to me when we're talking about books, and I'm like, man, you need to, like, send that to them for, like, a blurb or something. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny he kind of mentioned that because... It kind of ties into a question that I had because Barker, he kind of, he's weaved, you know, mythology into a lot of his stories. And that's one thing that I really liked about Whispers in the Dark is that there's a definite mythology there. And I don't know if you have plans to continue it or explore it, but it opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, like even with the whispers, you know, we get some of what they are, who that, you know, the backstory, but like there's so many possibilities to incorporate them into other stories or even some of these characters. And I was just wondering if, 
did you plan to have kind of like a big mythology? Do you plan to expand it at all? Or is it more just a self-contained story? I feel, I feel like this one is a self-contained story, mostly because um, I just kind of feel like Rose and her family, their story's kind of told. Um, and I, I just feel good about leaving that, you know, on that beat as it is. Um, a lot of the other stuff I've been working on, though, I, I submitted, um, you know, my book out and then I immediately got back to work because I was like, man, everything in writing takes forever. Just everything is just moves at glacial speed. So I didn't want to just be sitting around twiddling my thumbs waiting to see what anybody thought. So I started writing. And then the book that I wrote after that, I sort of created kind of a world out of and I have three, three finished novels and a fourth one that every time I start trying to work on something else comes up. So that's going to probably stay half finished for right now. But yeah, that one has kind of built up into a little bit more of a world. That sounds pretty interesting. And uh, I don't know how far along in the process you are with that, but uh, I didn't know if you maybe wanted to kind of give a very general synopsis. Is it, you know, more, is it supernatural horror? Is it a little bit, you know, a different type of tone? Um, it's supernatural. Um, it's, it's probably a little less heavy on the supernatural, a little more on, I guess the physical type elements. Um, uh, yeah, I mean the, the first one in that series and of course, whether it's a series that will ever see light, you know, who knows, but, uh, but it's one that I've really enjoyed writing and, and I really enjoy going back and reading as well. Um, which probably sounds horribly vain, but Hey, you know, I like it. So, uh, that one is I'm trying to think of the best way to, to kind of describe it. It's got, um, the uh, protagonist is another female. She's uh, she's a cop, but she has a completely different dynamic. And um, she kind of starts running into supernatural elements through uh, an uncle that's passed away under strange circumstances. So she's kind of got her family plunged into that and is and is kind of pursuing, you know, what's going on on that end. And then um, her husband's been murdered. So she's kind of looking at what's gone on there and trying to protect the family that she has left. So that's that's kind of where we start in with that one. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. And I think it's interesting, too, that you mentioned, you know, that she was a cop, but with a different dynamic. I know there's so many different types of horror out there. And I was just curious, are you someone that kind of veers toward more straightforward horror, like it's mainly horror and that's it? Or do you like the kind of mixed genres? Because like with Whispers in the Dark, I feel like it's a very effective combination of different genres. And it sounds like this one is, too. I was just curious if you had a preference or is that just the way the story presented your, itself to you? And that's why you decided to go that route. I feel like it's kind of the way the story presented itself to me. And I also feel like it's kind of how my, my mind works when I'm, when I'm drafting this stuff. Cause you know, like I said before, I've, I've read a lot of mystery. Um, and so I kind of think that works into my, you know, creative process there, but, and I, um, this is probably sounds pedantic, but it's, you know, I, I didn't know there was such a thing as horror or poetry. And so I've got, you know, a couple of books uh, that, that I'm waiting to read and, and just all these, you know, speculative fiction, all these incredible subgenres of horror that I'm just now sort of dipping a toe in. And I just feel, you know, 
I think it's super cool. And I, I love reading them. I, I also just, go, I've got a, I've got a good friend who's a poet. She's a published poet. She's, she just, man, she, she has the most beautiful poetry and it's just the stuff that really just speaks to your heart. And, and I just feel like I can only draft in such a literal fashion, you know, that, that almost the, like the poetry and the uh, speculative fiction type stuff, it just almost seems outside of my kin. It, it seems outside of the way that my brain even works. So it's just been, you know, it's interesting to kind of see people can, who can do things like that. Totally off subject for just a second. I have a friend, a lifelong friend, who's probably my closest friend, and he's from Kentucky. And uh, kin seems to be a, a really Kentucky word to use. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He uses, you know, I mean, everybody knows what it means, but it's it's rare to hear it on this coast. <laughs> well, you know, when I was working through my final proofreading process, um, the editor had had bumped a line through one of my sentences that I used. Like she says, you know, I was I, I was too nervous to get something on my stomach, and they're like in your stomach. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's on your stomach, and you know. I had to kind of realize that it was a regional thing in this part of the country. We're like, oh, you got to get something on your stomach, honey, before you can take that pill. But I asked some friends of mine who were from, you know, other parts. And they're like, that makes it sound like you're balancing a saltine on your stomach. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm just like, I'm glad we had this conversation because the majority of the country would be reading this and thinking, what an odd thing to say. Yeah, that was uh, like, um, I have ne had never heard that until... I made friends with this guy whose name is Mike Foster. I'll out him. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, going over to his house and his mom would say stuff like that. And I'd be like, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> you know, but um, it's interesting, the regional things you have to consider, I think, especially as a writer. You know, that there are things that I could say that probably as you get farther east, people would be like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, and but it's hard. It's hard to think about those things when you've grown up and lived in a place all your life, especially, you know, like I've never left Portland. I've I've gone to other places, but I've always come back. Well, it, I mean, it looks freaking gorgeous. I I am. Um, I lived in California for a while, but it was Southern California. And one of my roommates in college there was, uh, I went for a whole semester in college in, in Santa Barbara. Um, and she was from more Northern California. And she was just telling me how, you know, that area and like the Pacific Northwest, which is, you know, nothing like Southern California. And it was so beautiful. And that's just high on my list of places to check out. Um, yeah, well, in um, Kentucky and Tennessee and that area of the country is high on my list, too. Um, I've always wanted to visit those places just because i mean you kind of it might sound weird but out here there's kind of a mythology in my mind around the, around those places you know because i've read a lot of stories and i've heard people talk and i know people from those areas but i have never been to those places before um but i have not met anybody from that part of the country that wasn't just absolutely awesome yeah that's right kentucky and tennessee that's good to hear, though. That's I mean, that we're, you know, kind of out there making friends in the world. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just kind of it goes to show that there are good people everywhere and not all of us are bad. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, 
you know, I, I just started using Twitter like a few months ago and I, I just sort of noticed as, as I was like kind of creeping into this community, how everyone just thought they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, horror family and horror. Everyone's so nice. And like, Oh my God, they are like, I accidentally stepped into regular Twitter one day and I was horrified. And, and I realized that that's, that's actually not the experience of most people who use Twitter. So it's just the, you know, the entire horror community is just, it's, it's oh. amazing. It is amazing. It, it amazed me, too, when I started getting involved with this. And it's kind of like like you say, if you step outside a regular Twitter and get into a, such an awesome community, there's just everybody's fantastic. And the ones that aren't fantastic just um, have a way of going away. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that, that was all I was going to say. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, I was just going to say it's interesting you say that because I had the same experience. At first, I didn't know anybody. And then it seemed like overnight you meet all these great people. And, you know, to get kind of mushy for a second, like that's how I actually met Shane. Like he had his own blog, Shotgun Logic. I had mine, The Horror Bookshelf. And we just started talking. And then, you know, we decided to team up. And now I would count him as probably one of my best friends and we've never really met outside of doing these calls or, you know, going back and forth through our messenger. That's awesome. That's, I was actually kind of curious about that, how you guys ended up, you know, hooking up, working together, being so geographically distant. That's great. It's kind of funny. Um, when I first started doing this, Rich had been doing it for, I mean, I, he was a grizzled veteran. He'd been doing it for like a month or something like that. <laughs> um, so I start. I actually early on bugged him a lot about, hey, what the fuck do you do in this situation? And how the hell do you handle this? You know, because I, I didn't know, can I ask somebody for a book or is that, do I look like a dick if I do that? You know, and um, I, it just was a really cool experience, you know, um, because we just hit it off right away, you know, and I'm like you say, not to get mushy. Um, but, uh, and other people like you, I, when I first started using Twitter, the first person I followed on Twitter was Joe Lansdale. The first person who followed me back was Joe Lansdale. And that fucking blew me away. It's like, no way. This guy is my hero. He did not just fucking follow me. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's exciting to be able to, you know, and I, I don't want to you know stalk people on Twitter, but it's, I think the first time I tweeted something and, and when I was reading the dark game and, you know, uh, tagged Jonathan Jans in it and he, you know, tweeted me back, I'm sitting there giggling and my husband's like, what? I'm like, Oh, well, anyways, yeah, I'm just sort of halfway meeting celebrities. That's all. <laughs> it's just this, you know, accessibility is so interesting. And that, and that y'all are, all so willing to put yourself out there that way you're so willing to be human with other people and to kind of um open yourself up to them yeah i mean it's it's huge like just you know and i've been kind of obviously i feel like i'm i'm on the outside of it i'm i'm not a reviewer but i i sort of kind of got involved with this whole thing around the the time that the the craziness happened over at sci-fi and scary and so it was a big um you know, eye opener for me seeing that there is this whole 
I don't know, I think you guys or somebody or maybe Sadie Hartman or somebody was was talking at one point about there being like a cycle with reviews and like the, you know, people talking about being cyber harassed and and just the total insanity when some authors just completely get off their rocker. It's, I mean, it makes you feel like, you know, this is such a great community, but it's also one that really kind of closes in and takes care of their own, which is, which is beautiful to see. Um, that's exactly right. It's like, cause some people sometimes, like you say, they just kind of go off their rocker and some people can get volatile or, or abusive, you know, and, and the community just shuts that shit down. Yeah. Fast. That's was, that was, that was interesting to watch. I mean, Lillian was cracking me up. I was kind of like stalking their page, following that whole thing every time she'd, you know, post those updates. And I was like, man, this guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she's the, she's the wrong person to take on, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes. she, she, she will, she will virtually kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I saw that happen. Well, it was nuts, though. I mean, to submit a review, you totally have to read this whole thing where they say, yeah, we will out your ass if you do something stupid. Check yes if you agree. So and but that's basically, you know, how you have to be, because um, people do sometimes get abusive with you, you know, and, and it's horrible to say it's horrible about our fucking society and about our community, really, in that. Someone gets abusive with me, I can shut it down all by myself because I'm a dude, you know, and and I'm not saying that, you know, you're the little woman. What I'm saying is that if I say to a dude, hey, fuck off, leave me alone, he does that. If you say to a dude, hey, fuck off, leave me alone, he's likely to keep on harassing you. Or tell you know? me to use ladylike language or something. Exactly, exactly, you know, and but then somebody does that to you, the community just jumps right in. No. You fuck off. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you fuck off for good. You just you just did something awful to your career there. Exactly. Exactly. We don't stand for that. Well, as well, you shouldn't. I, I don't know. This just just seemed like total insanity. Of course, again, I'm Southern. It's like, well, your manners, sir. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, Ir- I, I'm Irish. So it's like if you if you exhibit manners, there's something wrong with you. speaking of though i brought up that subject about women very awkwardly um but in your book rose you were talking about those aspects of her like rich was talking about her strengths and whatnot and i think one of the things that really really built on those strengths was also her 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 weaknesses her vulnerability her vulnerabilities and her, you know, fears. And, um, I think that that really helped to emphasize the strength that she exhibited and the, and the drive she had to protect her family and, um, basically also kind of exact a little bit of vengeance. (laughs) Yeah. A lot bit of vengeance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, it's one of those things where I, I, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes you read these novels and you have a protagonist that's, that's not flawed at all, or they have, you know, a flaw that's really pedantic, like, oh, like they cuss or, oh, they fall down sometimes. And you're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's not anyone I can really relate to. But, um, 
you know, I, I try not to, but I've, I've had kind of a temper that I don't care for in the past. And, and, uh, you know, things like that, I feel like make you more human. Um, and I wanted her to have that too. And, you know, I, I wrote all this before ever having a, a kid, but I, I knew just from observing, you know, people who did and from having my stepson, like, I don't think there's anything more terrifying than something threatening your kids. Not at all. Um, I've got uh, three children myself and yeah, that is the worst thing I've ever experienced is anything where I felt like my children were in danger. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing where I would do something heinous to someone and then plead worth it and go to jail. You know, just that's fine. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm his mom. I fucked you up and he'll come visit me as often as he can. I'm sure. Exactly. He will appreciate I saved his ass, even though I'm sitting in jail now, but I'll take it. <laughs> That's my <Yep>. job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll say this is we have at least one traditional awkward silence per episode. <laughs> and I think we are just starting into that right there. <laughs> Good catch. I'm pretty pretty good at, at, at instigating awkward silences somehow <laughs> i think it has i think it has something to do with like i think all every time we do these like we're always so worried that we're gonna like cut someone off in the middle so we like give it a couple seconds but then sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't work out <laughs> i was gonna say obviously i suck at that <laughs> Actually, it doesn't happen too, too often, but I, I wanted to circle back a little bit, too, on the community thing, because I always find it interesting based off, you know, where an author might live or something like that. Like, uh, we were talking to, uh, is it John Horner Jacobs, Shane? And uh, he lives in Arkansas, and like, you know, a lot of writers we know, they live in larger metropolitan areas. I was just curious, you know, if whether it be online or in person, if you were able to like meet other writers and do, you know, kind of not ask for advice, but just kind of open up a dialogue with them about writing or. I haven't, I haven't yet much. Um, it's kind of one of those things. And I, I, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm somebody who, and it's mostly dealt with, but I, I grew up with like just intense social anxiety. So to even open my mouth and speak to someone new, it was like trying to, you know, break through cement. Um, so kind of peering around Twitter, you know, initially it was so, it was so overwhelming to think of like, Oh, you know, I don't want to bother anybody or anything like that. And then it's, you know, it's, you kind of observe it and you see how people do it and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do this. But that's something that I haven't really, you know, there've been times when I've had something come up and I kind of almost want to ask from an etiquette standpoint, like, Hey, should I, should I do this? Is that okay? That I don't know that I have, you know, forged close enough relationships, I guess, with some of these other authors, um, to kind of be able to do that. But I mean, that's an interesting, you know, is that, is that something people do? <laughs> do they, do they kind of do that kind of stuff on Twitter? I think so. Um, from what I've seen and to kind of go a little bit off track first, I can definitely relate to what you said about the social anxiety, like the idea even of doing this podcast, if you would have asked me, you know, a couple years ago, I would have said absolutely no way because I was just mortified of talking to people I didn't know, like, well, what if they think I'm a weirdo or, you know, what have you, but I totally get where you're coming from with that, but 
I think, you know, with authors and stuff, they are very open and willing to, you know, offer advice. You know, I've seen tons of interactions, you know, whether it be on Twitter or anything like that and authors promoting each other's work. I think they're very open with that, especially if it's a question about writing like the profession or publishing or something like that. All the writers, because I kind of dabble in fiction, not anything that I've been willing to put out there yet. And Shane and I are actually going to be working on something together. But anytime I've asked a question, they've always been very willing to, you know, offer advice or encouragement. Yeah, kind of the same as the reviewing community. Yeah, which, I mean, it all seems very intermingled as well. Um, I notice, you know, a lot of people are authors and reviewers, and I don't know how anybody finds the time for all of that, but... I don't either. Um, I'm con- I constantly have my wits in with this stuff. You know? it, there's, there's a certain level of um, of uh, insanity that comes with this gig, especially as a reviewer, because you get so inundated with stuff okay. that it is hard to come up for air sometimes. I would. I mean, I would imagine just the you know the sheer volume of requests you almost get. Um, from people and um, I, to, I, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, too, too many really. I mean, to the point, like we have to be really, really selective with even which emails we answer when people contact us, you know, and which messages, because we could, we could spend 10 hours on a weekend doing nothing but replying to messages in our email. Wow. Yeah. I think I can it's imagine. A, yeah, I think it's kind of a good thing, like Shane said, you know, sometimes it gets overwhelming, but I kind of look at it as a positive as well, like not even just for us, but just the fact that, you know, there's so many talented people out there and talented writers, you know, from all around the country, all around the world and as a horror fan, you know, it always gets a bad rap. You mentioned earlier, they were like, ah, I can't really do anything with supernatural. But if you kind of look around, there's a huge underground community and fans. And it's always been like that, even when it seems like it's kind of gone away. So I look at it as a positive that there's so many great writers out there. Like Shane and I will be like, oh, did you read this? Nope. Oh, but I have it and I've been wanting to read it forever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have it seems to be a catchphrase with us Um, (laughs) because I think both of our Kindles are are about to explode from all the (laughs) digital books we have. And we're both collectors, so we have all these print books, too, surrounding us and, you know, basically tilting our houses to the side (laughs) yep yeah that book uh paperbacks from hell that uh grady hendrix and will erickson have done Uh, and will he runs a blog too too much horror fiction it's a very great history on like the paperbacks of you know all different decades subgenres and it's such a great book. I highly recommend it. But man, did it ruin my life. I had <laughs> books scattered all around the house. You know, I had to get more bookcases. And then I'm like, oh, I'm finding books I didn't even know I had. 
<laughs> some I had two of them, so I sent some to Shane. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, what a, what an excellent wealth to have. It's yeah. I mean, it, my husband is. Uh, we we kind of joke because when we started dating, um, yeah, we met online like you do, and uh, I the first time I came to his house, I I saw all these shelves full of books. And so many times I had been out with a guy and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm a reader. And you come to their house and they got like a guitar magazine and like uh Sun Tzu's <laughs> art book. And that's it. And I'm like, motherfucker, you are not a reader. Readers own <laughs> books, you know? And, and I come to David's house and I'm like, Oh, bookshelves. And he told me later, he was like, I was thinking she's looking at my books. And it was just, you know, we, we just clicked as nerds and, and have gone along since then. But it's, you know, when two nerds marry, you, you run out of shelf space really quickly. <laughs> uh, that was that was a case with me and my wife, too. And that's kind of cool because, like, she's I'm she's my third wife because I'm a fuck up and people divorce me fast. Um, but it's, she was. It's she, kind of rhythm. Yeah, exactly. I was just practicing. Um, but we've been together for 20 years now. And I think a big part of our, our lives together as we came together was the fact that we're both avid, avid readers, though, of different types of material. Um, and that, yeah, that made a huge difference. And it's like, oh, fucking hell, you read books. You know, <laughs> you don't just read the Cosmopolitan once a month and call that reading, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fun to hear from the other gender side of it. Yeah, because on because on mine it's always that damn guitar magazine. But yeah, I think with chicks it might just be that Cosmo. That could be yeah. it. See that la- that kind of makes me giggle a little bit though, because I've got a huge stack of guitar magazines sitting here too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, along with everything else. Yeah. Totally. I had yeah, they're just supplemental. Yeah. <laughs> My husband has eight guitars and i think he last played one about six or seven years ago <laughs> so that's one of those things he sort of collects guitars but uh i have playing. yeah i have two i probably haven't picked one up in over a year now um but i still sing regularly but i have been negligent with my guitars they're there just because i want to own them <laughs> Apparently yeah, I, that's a thing. Yeah, I, I told Shane he's got a uh, he's got a problematic neighbor. I said he should crank that amp up to eleven. <laughs> Get him out if you can. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny you mentioned like collecting and stuff because even like the books, like I said, Shane and I like will always be like, oh, we just picked like today. Even I went out and there was like a huge sale at this thrift store and I picked up like 28 books. It's like, I've already got thousands of books that I'll never <laughs> read. <laughs> but I just well, can't help answer. myself. <laughs> like you, it's, it's probably even too nerdy to like put out there, but it's, so my, my husband, you know, Shane, you said your, your wife reads different material. Um, my husband reads nonfiction exclusively and it's like very esoteric. He was a philosophy major, you know, a lot of spirituality, a lot of philosophy, way over my head for the most part. Um, but I really liked, he, he, you know, read me some passage by Umberto Eco in this book. And it was like the concept of the unlibrary. And the whole thing was like, 
you know, you're actually richer if you have a library of books you haven't read yet because you're surrounded by the possibilities of them. And I'm just like, all right, everyone in the horror community that's all worried about all these books we have that we'll never read, we're just living out an esoteric dream. You know, we've all got the unlibrary around us. Um, I think that's the greatest thing in my life is that besides my wife is that um, I will never read every book I have before I die. So I'll never run out of books to read, you know, and possibilities, like you say, and endless possibilities really as far as um, I've got things from every genre, nonfiction, fiction, you know, um, horror, crime, mystery, Western, you know, name it. I've got it, except for probably romance. I probably suck in that department. But. <laughs> well, romance yeah. can be a part of every genre, so. So, um, let me awkwardly slip this in. We've had you here for over an hour now. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, what are you, any plans for, um, anything exciting coming up in your arena? Um, just that's, you know, that's kind of more in, uh, other people's hands than mine at the moment. We've, uh, my, my agent has uh, silent key, the book that that's kind of complete at this point. So hopefully that'll be shopped soon. Um, and then, you know, I've got I've got about four or five different projects I'm working on right now, so it's kind of a matter of what what I find time to finish first. And um, but other than that, it's mostly just kind of I mean this this is kind of the exciting part for me is like still you know I didn't I, this is I didn't even know scares that care was that scares that care was a thing. I'd never heard of this. I didn't know about these cons, and I'm just like this is fantastic, you know. So I'm I'm kind of my my exciting thing right now is kind of looking around and figuring out how much there is to this community. So. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I um, am right there with you on that. Uh, there's so much to the community and so many layers, and even now, six years after kind of sort of insinuating myself into it, whether it wanted me or not, <laughs> um, I still I still discover things every day, you know, people and, and new things. Scares that care, Cares was probably going for two years before I knew it was going, and I was actually a part of the community pretty much by then. Well, that's, I mean, there's, there's a heck of a lot to it. That's, I mean, that's kind of what I hope to be able to do is, is do, you know, do some traveling and check in with that kind of thing. So, well, and I think, I think you've got a lot of that in your future. I think you have a good future. Um, that's just my two cents for everybody listening to us. Uh, Rich and I dug this book. Laurel's book, Whispers in the Dark. And if you're listening to us still after an hour, um, we appreciate it. And we suggest that you go buy this book and read it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, and, and sorry, I cut my mic off. I do that a lot. Um, Rich, you have anything else? I'm, I'm kind of, my brain is fried and I'm running out of things to say here. <laughs> no, I just want to thank you again, Laurel, for uh, coming on the podcast. And like Shane said, we really enjoyed your book and can't wait to see what you have next. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you rock. I, Rich said what I should have said, and that is thank you. Uh, you're an awesome guest and this was an awesome conversation. And we'll have you on anytime you want to be here. And even if you don't. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Laurel. We'll talk to you later. 
All right. Thanks.